The Boost Podcast serves an energetic community of business leaders, entrepreneurs, and individuals who are growth-minded. If you, your business, or organization would like to share your service, product, or expertise with the Boost Podcast community, contact Kelly Leonard. Email kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Again, that's kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard, the podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business and career success. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Hello and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Kendall Jones is a finance consultant and mentor who helps individuals and entrepreneurs develop financial strategies and plans that help them to win with money. It's her goal to guide her clients to a financial life with more ease and freedom. The parts of Boost we cover are optimized relationships and tap into new markets. Hey, Kendall, welcome to the Boost Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Likewise, likewise. And so for folks who are hearing your name for the very first time, tell us a little bit more about you and the work that you do. Well, I am the founder of a boutique financial firm, and we focus on personal finance as well as business finance. And I've been in finance for a very long time. Um, but I started this company because I had to fix my own finances and I paid off over $71,000 in debt and increased my credit score by 300 points. And then it just segued me all the way into business and into lifestyle business and how to use that as a financial structure to hit financial goals. Wow. Well, I'm sure there are folks that are listening in and I know Debt is a a big conversation now, especially as we're hearing about student loan forgiveness and everything else and not as many people qualifying for student loan forgiveness as what we thought was going to be the case. And so certainly I'm, I'm, I'd imagine some ears perked up when you named your, your number and, and what you were able to eliminate. And so I'm excited for this conversation and let's just, um, you know, just in terms of just the work that you do, in what ways um, have you seen business owners not align their business goals with their personal goals? Because I know you mentioned um, in your introduction around how important, you know, making sure that you're in a position to support business owners in reaching their goals. So, so share with us a little bit more about that misalignment, perhaps, that you see. Yeah, I see this pretty often. Um, I think as entrepreneurs, we are ambitious and we are goals oriented and we are very, very focused on the business and the growth of the business. But we're not often thinking about developing business models that actually support our overall personal goals, as well as our personal finances. And so I see that oftentimes with understanding the profit margin, for example, of what you are uh, providing, whether it's service or product base. We get really invested in scaling the business, which is not a bad thing. We're entrepreneurs. We want to get bigger a lot of times, but we often do it at the compromise of our personal finance goals. So I work a lot, a lot, a lot of times with entrepreneurs, helping them to develop financial models in their business that allow them 
to sometimes work less. Like I have a lot of clients that come to me, they're working 50 hours a week. We develop financial models that put six figures in their pocket a year, um, but now they're working 20 hours a week, right? Um, So a lot of times the business can take on a life of its own and a Mm -hmm. mind of its own. And -hmm. we're very reactionary to the business without thinking about how is this business gonna support me? What do I want personally for myself and my family from the business and the model that I've developed. Wow. And so are you mentioned both um, product-based and then service-based businesses. Do you see differences or similarities in some of the challenges in the ways that these um, business owners approach their work? I actually think there's a lot of similarities. Um, oftentimes we're developing businesses where we're not taking ourselves out of the middle of the functionality of the business. Mm. And I have been a victim of this too. So I'm not going to take myself out of the equation as I talk about it. Okay. But (laughs) we often create businesses where it's very much dependent and reliant on us in order for it to work. And so what we imagined this business was going to be this dream that it was going to be, it ends up kind of, capturing us and keeping us captive into a structure that doesn't allow us to go on vacation or to have location independence or something like that. And that's pretty much the same whether or not it's product-based and service-based. Now, a lot of times product-based businesses, the profit margins are not as great, Mm -hmm. you know, just in general, but still the financial model or the management model, you know, as far as what kind of team you have, do you have a team? What kind of authority you are giving people within the business? It keeps us captive in a way that we're not really intending when we decided to go into business in the first place. Yeah. And and one thing that dawned on me when you were talking about, you know, the business holding folks captive it's also the new, and it dawned on me when I asked you, is, are there similarities or differences when you look at product versus service-based businesses? I would imagine, and maybe I shouldn't put the words into your mouth, but is there a, an approach that you suggest where even in a service-based business, you should probably have a product and vice versa? If it's a product-based business, you should also be building some sort of service so that it does like sort of you're diversifying your your income streams and thus your profit margin? Well, one of the things I I believe with service-based businesses is we need to either do one or two, maybe both of these things or one of these things. One is, can you duplicate yourself? Let's Mm -hmm. say you're a lawyer, for example. Can you bring other lawyers in? Can you duplicate yourself? That will also diversify your income because you're not the sole, um, you know, you're not trading your time for money solely, but you have other hours. You're creating more hours within the infrastructure. And then you could also productize your knowledge, which is a lot of what you're talking. You could serve one to many, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is, This is like a little tip here, a little secret. The thing is, if you are used to selling service to service base and you start productizing your knowledge, it's two different models. So you can either go in the path that you've already mastered. If you're creating revenue by offering services and you've already mastered that, you could duplicate yourself and keep growing without a big learning curve Mm -hmm. around marketing and sales. Or, and I have both streams going on, 
you could sell courses and workbooks and things of that sort. But now you have a whole different learning curve. The learning curve is product, like is product based marketing. How do you market this in a different way mm. than you market that one on one intimacy that's developed when you have, you see what I mean, when you have mm-hmm. a service based business with products? Um, I don't necessarily think that you need to diversify. What I see with products is they need to diversify their marketing strategies. That's what I see. I get a lot of product-based business. They're very dependent on, let's say, paid for ads through, you know, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Then Instagram changes their algorithm and then Mm -hmm. revenue goes down for two or three months until they mastered a new algorithm. Mm -hmm. So I see a lack of diversification around marketing strategies, which actually will help you to stabilize a little bit better financially. Gotcha. And even in in you sharing that, there's the risk that you run when you're so dependent on like an Instagram or or any other third party to market and promote whatever Mm -hmm. that product or service is, because they are constantly the thing that's continuous is change in each of those platforms. And so it's like, how do you ever really get comfortable with knowing that, okay, this is a reliable, steady stream, and this is a reliable methodology for me to use this platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I suggest when I get a client and I make all my money from LinkedIn, I'm like, well, that's great that it's working for you. But how about we diversify it? Can we take it offline? You know, businesses have existed forever offline. My business makes money online and offline. But 80% of my clients come from offline. They don't come from online. Um, And so that helps you to stabilize. I think businesses have a hard time with projections and predictability. Mm. And if you want um, to have more concreteness in the income that you have coming in, I would definitely diversify my marketing strategies so they're not so reliant on one particular platform, like marketing platform. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, um, what about, let's talk about money. What's, what's another way to look at money other than what we're traditionally taught? Because I know you are the money lady. And <laughs> so, so tell us more about just your thoughts in that regard. You know, I think we have been traditionally taught that earning is the answer that you, the more you earn, it kind of resolves all of the money problems, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not really earning as much as it is management of high earning potential. How do you manage the money that you earn? And so if I were to say, if there's one different way that we can look at money, is that yes, earning is a very, very powerful part of the equation, but we should put just as much emphasis on managing what we earn. For example, when we talk about profit margins, I have people that come to me, their businesses make 750K a year, but they don't make as much as I make in their mm-hmm. pocket every day. And my business is multiple six, but it's not doing six, 750, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean by the management piece of money. What do you want your money to give you? Money is very much a tool and I use money as a lifestyle design tool. How do you design a life using money as a tool? Because it can be leveraged in a lot of different ways. So earning is powerful, but we should definitely, you know, spread that attention because you can earn it. It go right back out the door. Mm-hmm. So how do you actually use your business to build wealth outside of just owning a business? 
So what does that practically look like? So when you when you talk about management, what what are some of the what are two to three things that you think more people should be paying attention to? First thing is ROI. Like what's your return on investment? When you hire that new person, like a lot of times entrepreneurs are very quick to spend money. Um, and sometimes it works out pretty well for them. But when you're spending that money, what's the ROI? What is it giving you back? Is it giving you back time? Is it giving you back more money? Is it giving you back, more, you know, both? Also, I tell people that all of your financial goals in your business needs to have caveats to it. You know, if you say, I want a million dollar business, if you're a go-getter, you're going to do whatever it takes to make a million dollars, no matter what it looks like, right? No matter mm-hmm. how much you have to work, no matter what what systems you put in place. But if you say, I want to make a million dollars, I want to have a million dollar business and I only want to work 20 hours a week and I want to make it from this particular product, that's a very different story. Mm-hmm. Now your structures and your strategies become very nuanced. And mm-hmm. so you're going to get a little bit more from your business than just having you know, a revenue number that you can flash. Um, so those are two primary things. I would also say... Um, Clearly, I'm big on profit margins, (laughs) right? Because Mm -hmm. those profit margins allow you to build a bigger life on your personal side. Mm -hmm. Um, It gives you a little bit more freedom than you would have if you don't focus on the profit margins. So those would be the three areas I would focus on in the management piece. Yeah, thank you for that. And then um, when we talk about, because I know you also alluded to scaling, And so how, from your perspective, let's say someone is listening and they're in a position where perhaps they're doing it themselves. At what point do you really make the thoughtful, when is the right time to scale? Like meaning adding another individual to your team, because I know for women-owned businesses in particular, the vast majority of women-owned businesses are solo entrepreneur businesses. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's oftentimes because, you know, it's this question of, well, when do I add a person to the team? And sometimes it may feel a little counterintuitive um, as to when to add someone. So do you have sort of a rule of thumb that you could share with regard to, okay, when's the right time to start adding additional individuals? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you're right. Most women own businesses. It's just them. You know, they're a one-stop shop for everything. You cannot grow that way. Um, And so I would say when you get to the point in your business where you can see a level of predictability, when you have mastered, for example, customer or client acquisition, and it's like a model that is in place, and you know, when I do this, 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 this is the financial result of it. Now you can start looking at adding people. And probably the first person you should add is like an, an assistant, like an operations assistant or someone like that. Because if you think about the amount of hours you actually put into the administrative work in your business, you know, you would take a lot of hours off of your plate that you could actually do more work around your client acquisition and grow. And then the next person after that would probably be someone sales oriented, maybe marketing oriented, depending on the model, or maybe someone like you're duplicating yourself, like maybe Mm -hmm. another uh, counselor, coach, you know, consultant, something like that. But Mm -hmm. you want to have 
the the point of transition is this. Have you mastered client or customer acquisition? Mm -hmm. That's the fear point. So when someone says, I know exactly what to do to get enough advertisers on my podcast is a proven model. I have proven it for myself. I haven't taken someone else's proven model and applied it. Then you will feel more comfortable to add more expenses onto the business. Gotcha. Now that makes complete sense. And so, and this, you may have already indirectly answered this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, if a business owner is feeling trapped by their business, what are some of the best steps forward? I would think that part of it is making this decision to scale But I would love to hear your input. I would think the best next step is to look at everything that you do in your business and ask yourself, what on this plate is not necessary for me to do? You have to keep in mind that no one's probably going to do it as great as you will do it, but at least you're not doing it anymore. Right. And so that would be the, the first thing. You might want to consider your pricing as well, because if you are pricing yourself at a lower price point, um, and and I don't agree necessarily that you always need to increase your price point either. I have different variations of price point in my business. Um, And if you want to work with me, it's a different price than if you want to work with one of my other coaches or something. But, you know, you might want to look at that as well, because that can also free up time and energy, but preserve the revenue you know, stabilize that revenue number over and over again. Now, if someone's listening in and they're like, hey, I need what Kendall does, (laughs) what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you and or get more information about the work that you do? You know, the best way is to go to my website, jonescoachinggroup.com. On there, you can learn about the different programs that we have right now, but you can also schedule a free consultation. So it's a 30-minute consultation and we get to know a lot about you. Most of the time, you're going to talk to me and um, we'll just see if we have the expertise that can help you out. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for the work that you do to serve the business community. It is well appreciated and well needed. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that concludes this episode of the Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost related, you can visit our website at www.kellytleonard.com. Thank you.